been given the task of uh, preaching through the book of Genesis. So we're going to try to make this uh, not take too long. We're going to take it verse by verse. And we should be out in a couple weeks. No, we're uh, in in studying through the Bible this year and and going through a, a book at a time each week. We're going to on Sundays be focusing on that book. Um, and today we're kind of going to be skipping around a little bit um, in the book of Genesis as we get started. Hopefully you're excited about getting started in in getting a good overview of the Bible, um, of getting the what the big picture is and uh, what the overview of each book is and what God is trying to say in that. Um, so hopefully you have your your workbook and have been reading through the book of Genesis. Uh, but um, today we're going to be focusing on um, one issue, and the issue that we're going to be focusing on is active faith. Uh, that, in, in reading through Genesis, uh, keep, keeps popping up over and over again of active faith. And uh, you also get the idea in Genesis of, of the, the sin nature of mankind as you've been uh, reading through it. You see that over and over again as well. Uh, Before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the truth of it, uh, that it gives us the direction that we need. It it teaches us who you are and uh, how we should live uh, in light of that. Lord, I ask that you would guide our time together this morning, that uh, through it your name might be praised, that our love for you might be increased, and uh, that we would have an active faith. Lord, I thank you for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In your book, you will find an overview, but as I was reading through the book of Genesis, I, I kind of had a, uh, a different, a simplified overview that kind of came uh, to my mind, and it, it goes like this. We see that in the beginning that God created and that his creation was perfect. And it reminded me that God's ways are always perfect. So from the very beginning, we were reminded God saw what he created at the end of chapter 1. And indeed, it was very good. That God's creation was perfect. Goes along with the uh, well-versed video. That God's creation was perfect. But then what we see happening is mankind always seems to come in and mess things up. And because of the sin there in Genesis and because of your and my sin nature, we see the curse of sin around us today. We see the consequences of sin in the book of Genesis, that God's creation is perfect, but sin is always destroying, and that God is a just God and does not take sin lightly. If only we took our sin and viewed it the same way that God did, as seriously as God did. So God always always punishes sin because he is a just God. But then you cannot read in Genesis without seeing the great mercy and love of God. Over and over again, you see the mercy that uh, with his fallen creatures, it's his mercy and his love over and over again. And we see that even though sin came in, it did not take control away from God. God is still in control And that from the very beginning, God had a redemption plan in place, a plan to make all things right. 
and we will see all things made right someday. So as I said, that is a very uh, a very brief but uh, kind of an overview of what's going on in Genesis. I came across the quote uh, from Eric Liddell, um, known, they made a movie about him, Chariots of Fire, but he said, circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plan. But God is not helpless among the ruins. God's love is still working. He comes in and takes the calamity and uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. And I think that's what we see in the book of Genesis. So we're going to focus this morning on a couple of uh, examples of those who had an active faith, or we're going to look at examples of obedience, some positive and then some who did not obey examples of disobedience first and foremost right off the bat in genesis we see an example of disobedience in genesis chapter 3 with adam and eve and the serpent comes to them and says has god indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden and we know the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god has said you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And then we see from that moment on, the consequences of sin. So we see the first step of disobedience. I was thinking as I was reading through this, God gave them one command. Um, As parents in uh, child training, they say, try to keep it, try to keep it simple for the kids. Don't, don't overwhelm them. And I think God gave them one command. Don't eat of this. He didn't make it confusing. He didn't make it difficult to understand. It was simple for them to understand, but yet when tempted, are we going to believe what the serpent is telling us or believe what our creator is telling us? They chose to disobey God. If you flip over a couple of uh, chapters to Genesis chapter 6, we're not going to read through it, but we see the account of Noah. And in reading the account of Noah, it's, it's easy to read over it and we're familiar with it to know, oh yeah, Noah, God came to Noah and told him to build an ark and Noah built the ark. But can you imagine being in Noah's place of getting this command and then spending the next hundred plus years carrying out what God had commanded him to do? So his obedience was not a one day choice of obedience. His obedience was that of a hundred plus years showing up to work, working on it. Now, do you think it was easy for Noah to obey? I don't think it probably was easy. Maybe right off the get-go, he was excited about his work. I have this mission from God I'm excited about. But I'm guessing a few years in, he's probably starting to get discouraged. And... I don't think that the people around him were very encouraging to Noah when we read of their wickedness. Uh, you can imagine how what they might have been saying about Noah, but Noah stuck with it 
He chose to obey God. And because of that, God saved he and his family. So we see first off of Adam and Eve choosing to disobey and the consequences. We see Noah choosing to obey. We could turn over to Genesis chapter 11 and look at the Tower of Babel and how God had given the people a command and they chose to disobey that. But turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at the life of Abram or Abraham as we later on know. And here in verse chapter 1 of verse 1 of chapter 12, it says the Lord said to Abram, "Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great." And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, we see God's call and God's calling Abraham from his homeland, calling him out. But we read God called him, and Abraham in faith, packed up his belongings, and left. Now, does God give him a lot of details of where he's going to be going? No. Uh, Can you imagine taking a trip like this? I I want you to take a trip for me. Well, where am I going? I'm not going to tell you where you're going. Um, Just pack up. I want you to relocate. But it says that Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That is obedience right there, quickly obeying the command of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 22, we see another example of Abraham's obedience. In chapter 22 and verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him on a burnt as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham gets the command from God. Verse three, Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Now, we're not going to continue reading on this this morning, but look at the quick obedience of Abraham. God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, and take him and offer him as an offering to me. And it says, Abraham arose early. Now, we can read that, but put yourself in Abraham's position. If God spoke to you in that way, would you get up early? Would you, I better go talk to so-and-so and see if what I, the message I received was real or Oh, I'll, I'll put it off till tomorrow. But it says that Abraham obeyed God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we know as the faith chapter. But it talks about in verse 8 that by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. 
So by faith, he quickly obeyed. So if you if you notice, and I hope you will, the connection in the Bible between faith and obedience, faith and obedience, uh, faith uh, played out in our lives through obedience. We see from the word of God that faith comes by listening to the voice of God. In Romans chapter 10, we see faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You and I have the words of God spoken to us right here. So our faith is strengthened by knowing the word of God. What is God asking of us? What is God telling us? What is God teaching us of himself? Uh, God is not speaking to you uh, in the same way that he appeared to Abraham and Noah, but he has given us his complete word and is speaking to us through his word. So we have no excuses. We have the completed word of God. So faith comes by listening to the voice of God. But then faith is not true faith unless it produces obedience. Obedience is the evidence or result of genuine faith. So if we say that we have faith, but it does not produce any evidence in our life, if we say Oh, I believe God, I trust him, I believe his word, but we're not doing the things that his word teach us to do, then our faith is dead. And that's what James chapter 2 and verse 26 says, that faith without works is dead, or faith without obedience is dead. How many of you as parents are, uh, accept the answer from your kids, you tell them, I want you to go do this job, go pick up your room, whatever it might be. And they say, okay, and you come back later and nothing is done. Do you say, why didn't you clean your room? Well, I heard you and I thought that that sounded like a good idea, but I didn't feel like doing it. As a parent, I don't think most of you would say, well, good, I'm glad you see the value of cleaning your room Um, that's a good start. Just, I'm okay with that. No, as a parent, you say, I'm glad you see the value of that, but you need to do as you're told. You need to go follow through. Uh, You may say that you see the need of it, but follow through. Let me see some, some evidence. Um, Charles Swindoll told the story. He said, imagine that you work for a company whose president is uh, found it necessary to travel out of the country for a while. And before he leaves, he comes and gathers his trusted employees and says, look, I'm going to leave for a time, and while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to running the business here. It is up to you. I will uh, write you letters to let you know how I want things run. But while I'm gone, it's up to you to run it. Uh, I will be back. In, in a few weeks, but you need to run it. Everyone agrees, and, and the president of the company leaves. And just as he said, he writes them letters, he leaves them notes, telling them exactly how he wants the company to run. Finally, he returns, and when he comes back, he sees that things are chaotic in the office. People are not busy working. They're, uh, they're having parties in the office. Everybody's sitting around. The uh, nothing has been cared for. The flower beds are overgrown. There's a broken window in the building. Everything is just out of control. 
And without hesitation, he calls all of his employees in and he says, what happened? Didn't you get my letters? And they answer and they say, oh, yeah, we we got your letters. And man, we really appreciate those. Those were such well-written notes and letters. And look, we even we even put them into a book so we could have them all in one place because they were such great letters. And uh, we even get together once once a week. Uh, to talk about how much we enjoy reading your letters and, and which one we enjoy the most. But the president would say, but I did not write those letters for your enjoyment. What did you do about following through? And they would answer, well, we didn't do anything, but we read every one. How many times do we as believers have the letters that God has written to us. Oh, I have faith, but it does not follow through in obedience. Obedience should be done without delay. Otherwise, it's not obedience. Abraham packed up his bags and left when God called him out. When God told him to offer his son, what did he do? He went and got his, the things he needed to obey God and left immediately. Obedience plus delay is not obedience. When we when we tell our our kids, okay, you need to go. Uh, maybe you've had this experience. Go get your shoes on. We're getting ready to leave, right? I can't find my shoes. Well, it helps if you start looking for them first of all. But if you just sit there, I can't find them. That's not obeying. Obedience should be done without delay, and it should be done exact. What would have happened to Noah if he took shortcuts on God's plan in building the ark? It probably would have been like when we uh, uh, when we're putting together something and I don't really need the instructions. I think I know how to just I think I kind of know how this goes together and you get done and you have leftover parts and you think, I hope those were just extras that they sent along. Can you imagine if Noah had uh, had done that? Noah didn't have any uh, test periods. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to take the, the ark out for a test to make sure it floats before the big flood comes. Um, let's test it out, make sure everything's good. He had one shot at obeying God, and that was following exactly what God had ordered him to do. No shortcuts. And God does not reward halfway obedience. He only rewards complete obedience. So obedience needs to be exact. It needs to be done without complaining. Lord, I know you've commanded this, but why do I have to love this person? No, that's not obeying. It must be done without complaining. Obedience should be done no matter the opposition. So if God has called you to do something in his word, it doesn't matter who is telling you that that's foolish to do how you shouldn't do that. Obeying God is more important. And then obedience completes the task that God has given. It follows through. It doesn't go only halfway. So we see the obedience, but faith coming back to faith, faith chooses to focus on the promises of the Lord in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 13. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. 
For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac, and he had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in the figurative sense. So what was, by faith he obeyed, believing that God, the, believing the promise of God. So it was stepping out, putting faith into action, believing what God had promised. God had promised that through Isaac, and Abraham said, I don't know how God's going to raise a great generation through Isaac if Isaac is killed, but God is able to, to bring him back from the dead. So it was believing the promise of God. In John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey. So very quickly, what are some commands that we have been given clearly in God's word that we ought to be practicing today? First of all, Matthew 4 and verse 17 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, Repentance is turning from our own way to walk in God's. So instead of walking in my own way, by my own desires, by my own sinful nature, I'm turning from my own way to walk in God's. This is the initial step of if you have not repented and received Christ as your as your personal savior, this is your initial initial step of obedience that you need to take today. The most important that you can take of turning from your own way to walk in God's. But. We ought to live a life of repentance. That means being sensitive to our own sinfulness. But then we, another command that we see in Matthew 22, that we are to love the Lord above all else. And throughout scripture, we see this command given of love the Lord uh, more than, than anything else, any other person. Uh, that we are to have no other gods before him, no idols in our life, and that the most important thing is to love the Lord above all else. Now, this is such a daily challenge for each of us. Am I going to put my own desires above my love for the Lord? Am I even going to put things that are good that God designed above my love for God, such as family? God desires and deserves first place in our heart and in our life. But then we ought to love the Lord. And then second from that same passage in Matthew 22, we see that we are to love others as ourselves. And in Matthew chapter five, he says that we are to love our enemies. So uh, not only are you to love your neighbors, you are to love your family, but you are to actually love your enemies. Um, So we, we read these commands. We're familiar with these commands. But the question that we ought to be asking ourselves today is, am I quick to obey like Abraham in that God has commanded this? And, okay, where do I need to where do I need to follow through? Where do I need to demonstrate active obedience? But then in first Peter, chapter one and verse 16, we see the command to to live a holy life. 
we see the verse says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That God has called us to live a pure life before him. He is our example. He is our perfect example of uh, facing temptation but not giving in to sin, of resisting temptation, of uh, controlling our, our thoughts, of fighting temptation with Scripture, that God has called you to live a holy life, set apart, remi- reminding you that you are strangers and pilgrims, that this world is not your home. But then we are reminded and commanded to give thanks in all things. That means if next week the weather turns and we get ice and rain and that, even in that we are to give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercies endure forever. That in all things we are to give thanks to the Lord. Are you quick to obey that or only when things are going your way? But then we see that we are commanded to share the good news. Mark 16, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Who is it this week that God wants you to share the good news of salvation with? Of, as Mark Cahill told us, of help them take one step closer to knowing God. What, who is it that God is laying on your heart to help lead them to a closer walk with him? And then lastly, we are commanded to be ready for Christ's return. We know that it could be any minute, but are we living like it could be any minute? We don't know the time or the hour. So are you ready for Christ's return? Just in the, the, the story of the president of the company going away, when you know that the Lord is coming back, how does that change the way that you live right now? It could be even as we're here at church today. So live in a way that you are ready for Christ's return. So today, if you confess to have faith, If you say, I believe the word of God, is there evidence of that in your life? Are you obeying the commands that Christ has given? Are you putting him first in your life? Or are you living for something else? Are you loving others? Are you sharing the good news of salvation with them? Because today might be the last day that you have to quickly obey the commands. In heaven, we won't have that option of obey or not to obey. Thankfully, we'll just willingly obey. The the flesh will be gone. The, The battle will be over. So fight the good fight of faith while God gives us time. And as James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many other commands from your word that we could look at. But I pray that you would lay one on our heart to focus on, that you would lay one on our heart to really work on this week. Lord, I think of the example of Abraham and how you called him to do, uh, to do things that were not easy, but yet he quickly obeyed and you rewarded. Lord, through that we see your mercy because even in the sinfulness of Abraham, you were still merciful to him. Lord, I thank you that your, your mercy for us is never-ending. Lord, I thank you that you have a, a plan for each of us. And I pray that we would uh, use our time wisely for your honor and glory and that we would continue to fight the good fight until you come again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.